And welcome back, everybody. It's time for another episode of Finding Your Soul and Success. The one show, maybe the only show, where leaders share their inspirational wisdom with the woman who seems to know all of them, Kathy Gardarian. Hey, Kathy. Hey. Welcome back, everyone. I'm Kathy Gardarian, and I do have a lot of really interesting people that I always like to share with you. Today, I'm thrilled to have my good friend, Esra Nawar, and she is um, very, very interesting, but she's also uh, lots of stories I can hardly wait to share with you. Esra has been the developmental librarian. She's head of development and marketing and the chair of the arts, exhibits, and events committee at the Leatherby Libraries at Chapman University since 2009. And I, and welcome, welcome. I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you. I'm, I'm really excited and honored, Kathy, to yeah. be here. And uh, right. I'm honored to be one of your interesting people. I know you know <laughs> a lot and you've met a lot through your life. Well, I have to share with people how we met mm-hmm. because I absolutely love Egypt. And my dear friend here was born in Alexandria, Egypt. And I didn't know her. I've been on the board of Chapman for years and years, and I didn't meet her till later. And we were at some event, and she told me that she was Egyptian and that she was. Um, so I told her how much I loved Egypt. And so then I said, You know, the last time I was there, I got to go to the Alexandria Library. I said, I walked in and I had an Egyptologist with me, and I don't know what happened. But the whole energy in the place, I looked at him after maybe only two minutes and said, I must come and study here. So I'm telling Esra this story. And what does she say to me? Oh, you know, I worked there for five years of my life. I'm just going, wow. So um, you have to tell us more about how did you get to be a librarian and what does it mean to you? And I know you've done so many other things, but let's talk about that. For sure. That's and actually being a librarian is probably one of the closest things to my heart. In addition to the many hats I wear at my job at Chapman University and also as a, you know, woman in the world, a a wife, a mother, a friend, you know, a a daughter, all these things. But um, it, it was such I mean, let me start by saying it was such a serendipity. Uh, that you and I connected on that Egypt part yes. and then we started working on, you know, so many other things and we've had so many lunches and dinners, you know, yes. and, and, you know, talking about various things around the world. Um, but, but being a librarian has been also such a serendipity in my life. Um, as you said, uh, gracefully, I was born in Alexandria, Egypt, um, and I spent most of my life in that part of the world between, you know, the Gulf area where my dad used to work uh, as an engineer, went back to Egypt for high school and college. And then years later, I got married and my husband and I moved to the east coast of uh, the United States. Uh, we finished our graduate degrees. He was doing his PhD, and I did my MBA. Most mm-hmm. of my undergraduate and uh, first graduate degree was actually in business and accounting. Um, but yeah. that didn't really connect to my soul much. I think yeah. part of me was really just thinking uh, solely about I want a good a good job and I want to make money. But uh, when I went back to Egypt, and it was 2005, 
And this is when the Library of Alexandria was actually flourishing. You know, the yes. you know the old library was burned years and years ago. Yeah. Uh, but in 1999, there was this huge movement and a lot of funding that came from all over the world uh, under the leadership of the Egyptian government, and they bis- built this magnificent, one of a kind library. It's it's so amazing there. It uh, is. Uh, did did they save anything from? When it was burned, I mean, uh, what else is in there that was... I mean, there is, there's a lot of unique collections. Uh, I can't say it's very contemporary. There's a, there's a huge library of rare books and, and special yeah. collections and archives. There's a lot of archives and special collections of famous Egyptian people and also, you know, famous people from around the world. Uh, there's a huge uh, Islamic section, Coptic section. Um, mm-hmm. uh, there's a Jewish section as well. In fact, I helped... Uh, built a little bit of that when I, because um, there's there are still still some Jewish people that live in Egypt, uh, and I was able to actually um, steward a, a woman um, that that's kind of like head of the Jewish um, uh, community there in Egypt that gave us oh. uh, one of the first tours that that are actually still there in our special collections and libraries. We're also highlighting you know collections of famous directors and famous. Uh, there's a Sadat museum that was built yeah. maybe six or seven years ago to honor his life. Yeah, um, a lot of his artifacts even the suit that he was killed um, in, you know, he was wearing when he was killed uh, back in 1981. So when I went back to Egypt in 2005, the library was flourishing and they were really looking for talents uh, for people that are that are kind of a little bit uh, have a little bit of a global perspective. Um, And and I I wasn't a librarian then I was purely a a business person, somebody that is interested mm-hmm. in going back and doing some accounting and business work. Um, but I started in the acquisitions department and I fell in love with it. As I said, I yeah. think it was my first time when they recruited me. That was my first time actually being in the library. And uh, I was just astonished. And I felt like, just like you, uh, I'm a very spiritual person and, mm-hmm. you know, I follow my heart and I felt yeah. like this, my heart is in this place. Um, so I started working there and kind of moved between departments. I worked a little bit in donor relations and gifts, and I started building the collections. And, you know, for four or five years, I was just amazed with this, uh, the role of the libraries in the society, especially the modern society, yes. the, the role of the library back in the day, and also the library, how can, can it be helpful for the future generations? You know, fa- you know, fast forward a few years, um, my husband got recruited to be a, a part of the faculty members here at Chapman University, and my family and I had to move with him. My heart was really broken. Not just, bad. Yeah. You know, actually, that letter of resignation, it was really heartbroken to just, you know, um, yeah. write in and, and kind of leave that position. But I knew deep inside my, my heart that Orange County, California, and Chapman was actually a really nice, you know, start for us. You know, the kids were still young and, you know, you and I believe in opening doors and it was just about time for us to kind of move back to the U.S. And we did. And uh, it was it was really an interesting move. And I was lucky enough that just a few weeks later at a community event at Chapman, I got to meet of the a then dean of the Leatherby Libraries, um, who just retired. Her name is Charlene Baldwin. Right. And her and I got into talking just like you and I. And she was, you know, mesmerized by the fact that I worked <laughs> at the Library of Alexandria. And I, and I honestly have to say, I don't think I thought how big the Library of Alexandria is until I moved out of Egypt. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. That yeah. just like when we take, you know, Hollywood for granted or when we take yeah. Laguna yeah. Beach for granted and then you go out and you talk to people about it and you realize, mm-hmm. you know, you have these things in the backyard of your hometown. 
Um, so when she knew a little bit about what I was doing, um, so she started me off uh, by a volunteer position. And um, unfortunately, at that time, the librarianship profession in Egypt wasn't as um uh, you know, organized as it is right now, like 10 years later, and with the amount sure. of work that was done with the um, uh, the Federation of Library Association in Egypt is definitely much, much better. Uh, but I wasn't hired as a librarian. But, um, right. you know, sure enough, the, you know, the library administration at Chapman University saw a talent and, you know, they gave me several positions. I worked uh, in the communications department as assistant dean for marketing communications, uh, and then I just fell in love with the whole library system. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I started, um, you know, I moved my way up. I, I got my leadership development uh, certificate and, and master's. And then I decided to uh, to be a professional librarian. Uh, in 2017, I got my master's in library science from San Jose State University, uh, which is really the biggest uh, MLIS program, a master's in library information oh, sciences okay. uh, in the country, really. And uh, since then, I've been doing a lot of library work. And, and, and the good, good thing about librarians, actually, they're mm -hmm. also community build builders. Oh, yeah. um, and, yeah. and because of the, I work closely with library administration, and at a place uh, like Chapman University, uh, very involved in the community in many ways. We started building, uh, you know, partnerships and relationships with the community. I started um, heading off a lot of diversity initiatives in the libraries and Chapman University as well. And, um, you know, you and I also worked on uh, your book signing, which was also one yes. thing that I did um, that I was also dear to my heart. But I also do it with other people, um, you know, authors whether local, uh, national, and sometimes yeah. international as well. So there's amazing exhibits too at Chapman. Right. I yeah. mean, there's so much to learn. Absolutely. You, you know, yeah. You, on every floor. Yeah. One of the things that we, when I, when I started 10 or 11 years ago and I started chairing the arts exhibits and events committee at the library, uh, my whole vision, and, and it was also, you know, very much the vision of the dean at that time, and, and it continues to be that way, is that we want to create a learning environment that mm -hmm. that you that the students kind of, you know, organically learn something that they won't necessarily learn in the classroom. Uh, mm -hmm. So, as you mentioned, there there's just a ton of exhibits. Some of them are permanent, and uh, some of them are. Uh, you know, rotating that we work with local, national or international artists. And we try just to bring events to life and exhibits that can just speak to either current topics or uh, sometimes we were very involved in the interfaith community in Orange County. So we have um, a room, for example, uh, named after the Sikh room, uh, the Sikh religion. We have an Italian-American room. I, I know you're originally Italian, so yes, yeah. uh, you'd love that. Um, uh, there's also uh, stories of some of our famous professors uh, you know, around, you know, in, in the university itself, like the Yakira Harnov. I know he's very close um, to your heart yourself. He's a famous physicist. Uh, so pretty much every single part of the building tells a story. Uh, yeah, so it's it's been really great. And a lot of these actually activities were uh, award winning, um, you know, through a lot of the organizations. Yeah. And people learn from storytelling. So, exactly. you know, it's just such a, I think it has to be a great place to work. It, yeah. it is. I'm really yeah. lucky. I was actually yeah. texting uh, one of my team members this morning. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, I was sharing with her an article that was published by the American Library Association. They kind of picked the best library in each state. Oh. Uh, I mean, unfortunately, our lobby is not there yet, but one maybe one day soon. But I was just telling her how lucky we are to just be working at a library. I think it's really the, from my perspective, one of the best professions ever. Yeah. Um, people people don't know much about it. Yeah. Yeah. But we're we're really trying to kind of spread the word and uh, 
tell people that we're really community builders and we're here for them, whatever they need. Well, I think people have pictures of librarians and you know how they're sometimes right. portrayed in some of the older films. Right. You're not like that at all. Yeah. <laughs> not, not anymore, at least. I mean, I know some some of the librarians choose to be on the quieter side, especially yeah. if you choose to. And, and by the way, those are those kind of librarians, the library staff members or, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, paraprofessionals, they're the backbone uh, of the libraries. I mean, those yeah. are the people that shelf the books and those are the people that catalog the books or work on the databases. I mean, a library won't be able to run without these kind, this kind of work. Okay. Uh, but yeah. there are also the, you know, the front runners that are out and about and want to talk to people. So, I mean, uh, um, and again, that's something that you and I always uh, talk about. I respect all backgrounds and I respect all personalities. And that's yeah. why at a library system, there's a job for every personality. And that's why we all kind of work very well with a team yeah. and every talent and every personality is pretty much needed, whether you're front facing yeah. or back facing. Uh, the library can't really run without any, of, you know, kind of both really in, mo- yeah. in all honesty. That's so true in all business, actually. Where you, It just works better when everyone's doing, you know, what they're best at and you work as a team. Right. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. hundred percent. So let's see. You're. I'd like to talk maybe about storytelling a little bit and the importance of it and be some of the problems maybe that you've had as a woman and you were you wrote to me something that you were the first woman in something tell me about that because i was too in business sure certain company right so what was that like yeah um uh, i think i mean i'm honored to be the first woman on this show today oh yes and she's the first woman on the show today i'm really (laughs) excited to to be that and i think i I think eventually we will stop saying the first woman because we're seeing a lot of that right like the first woman soccer player to win this the first woman president hopefully soon the first you know there's a lot of first you know in general but soon enough you know we will be second and third and, and hopefully that will be true um, but, you know, back to your to your question about storytelling, it's something yeah. that I started, I never really thought that it's something that I'll be interested in. Mm-hmm. I think when I moved to California back in 2009 and I started doing what I'm doing and, and getting involved uh, within the community, uh, one of the things that was, um, that, and I tell the, the story a lot because it's really, it's, it's kind of, you know, it played a huge role in my whole life, uh, the first exhibit that I was assigned to curate was an exhibit out about the Jewish culture. And, yeah. you know, coming from the Middle East, especially in Egypt, um, you tend to misunderstand a little bit of the Jewish culture and you mix it with politics a little bit. Sure. Um, but but I really was very neutral and I was really curious to, to know for myself. But I also wanted to prove to, to my team in the libraries that I'm capable of, of doing anything. Um, so I started curating, co-curating the exhibit, and I fell in love with the culture and, you know, with the with the woman that was, you know, actually loaning some of the materials. And, um, you know, after the huge success that the exhibit actually um, got, that day after the event, one person came up to me and said, this is just, you know, mind-blowing. You're a Muslim woman working at a university like Chapman University, which is pretty much non-denominational now, but, you know, was established, you know, by the Disciples of Christ Church back in the 1800s, you know, curating a Jewish exhibit. And this day really changed my life. And I said, it it really did, because it kind of prompted me to actually tell my story and tell people why I do what I do and, and also break the stereotype. And I think that was really my major 
um, you know, role uh, or goal in actually tell, starting to tell the story. And literally that day, Kathy, I went back home and I started my, I wrote my first ever article. I wrote the whole thing. I did not sleep. I, you know, wow. I said the story about the Jewish exhibit, about what happened and what I learned and, and that whole, you know, quote, I can't even remember the guy that told me that, but I remember the moment. And the next day I sent the, and I didn't know what to do with it, right? I wrote and wrote and wrote and I slept and I told my husband, I said, oh, this is great. You need to publish this. Um, And I I talked to uh, one of our media people, a Chapman, and she said, can you send me your picture and bio? And I said, sure. And then maybe a couple days later, it was published in the Orange County Register. Isn't that great? Right. And, it, you know, speaking about the power of, of storytelling, and just a, just a week later, a rabbi at a Jewish temple down in Laguna Woods called me in my office, and he said, I read your article. And, and you know, a ton of people also did. I mean, some people sure. emailed, and some people sent letters and all that stuff. And, and he called me and said, can you come and speak at our temple? And, of course, I was shaking. I mean... I never sp- spoke publicly. Yeah. It was a Jewish temple, and I've never been to a Jewish temple. And it was just, you know, it was that moment that I'm like, okay, I'm stepping out of my comfort zone. That's and I great. really need to do it. And we all need to do that always. Exactly. Um, I'd like to take um, just a short commercial break, and we will be right back. And just a reminder that our host, Kathy Gardarian, has a book out called Feet to the Fire, Finding My Soul and Success, and it's something special. In this transformational memoir, Kathy shares her inspiring stories about how she found her own soul while climbing the corporate ladder. Relying on open-hearted love as her primary motivational tool, Kathy defied the traditional male business structure to become founder and CEO of her own company, Qualys International multi-million dollar sales and distribution company with clients like Home Depot and 7-Eleven. Within these pages, Kathy emboldens readers to bravely hold their own feet to the fire while giving them the tools necessary to achieve deep, meaningful change in the midst of discomfort. With humility, humor, wisdom, and warmth, Kathy offers an alternative path to prosperity using feminine principles that will empower women everywhere. As Deepak Chopra put it, Feet to the Fire is for anyone interested in true success. Using her own story as an example, Kathy offers useful, accessible tools for transformation, combining business with self-awareness. Simply visit feettothefires.com. That's feettothefires, plural, dot com. Great. Well, let's, um, let's talk a little bit about change mm-hmm. because... I think we all come from some part of, we have a belief system about something, and yet there's doors that open, and we just absolutely have to change. And so, sounds like your public speaking was one of them. Tell me more about what you think is important about change. I mean, if you come to my office, and I think you've been there a couple of times, you'd notice a a big quote on my billboard uh, with the with the the quote says, um, I think the, the first name of the author is uh, Robert. I can't remember his last name. Oh. Afraid of change, then fail. Oh. So if you resist change or if you're afraid of change, it 
it's not a good sign. Whether it's in business, whether it's in career, mm-hmm. whether in how to raise kids. You know, I have two teenage boys, one of them who just um, started college at the United States Air Force Academy. And that was a huge change. Wow. Yeah. And um, it was really hard for me as a mother to kind of take, you know, take that change. Sure. But but I also don't want to be one of those parents that, you know, will hinder their kids' success. So change is part of life. And my life, as mm. we explained it just briefly, has been just a roller coaster of change, whether it's travel, living in different cultures, living in different uh, countries, even states, mm. um, you know, meeting different people and also different professions and different career paths uh, that I've had through the last, you know, 20 plus years in my life, even changing uh, direction. Uh, you know, I graduated with a business degree. Uh, I got my master's, uh, my MBA, and then my master's in leadership development. And then I ended up being a librarian. Those yeah. are all experiences that have added to who I am. Yeah. Uh, that's why I never resisted any of them. Yeah. And that's why serendipity is definitely a huge piece of, of uh, what I believe in, because yeah. change is also you know, part of the serendipity. I mean, you just have to open those doors. Uh, and if you resist the change, sometimes change is not good. I mean, I'm not sure if you're aware of the um, of the book, Who Moved My Cheese? It's a famous book oh, yes. yeah. uh, that we got to read as part of the leadership program mm-hmm. uh, at Chapman University. And it was kind of one of those books that changed my life and my perspective. Um, change in organizations, change in organization uh, structures. I was talking to you earlier, um, you know, as we were writing here, there's a change in leadership of the Leatherby Libraries, but it, yeah. we're also excited. There's a huge project that we're working yeah. on, which is the Library of the Future. That's also a big change. But for the most part, change is good. It's very uncomfortable. But I was just going to say that. It's, you know, there's the saying, whatever you resist persists. Right. So sometimes if you don't change, you look and see, you know, what what fallout comes from that right. as well exactly yeah. i think the most important thing kathy is to actually acknowledge that you're changing like in in relationships my husband and i are going to be celebrating uh, our 20th anniversary uh-huh. uh, in, in next summer thank you mm-hmm. and uh, we're already thinking about where to go and all that stuff but mm-hmm. uh, as i look at myself even before i look at him we're not the same people that we got married, you know, 20 years ago. We're no. totally different, but we changed together. But I think the most important thing in a relationship, whether it's a working relationship, whether it's, you know, a, a marriage or a partnership, you have to just acknowledge the fact that you're changing as a person and to, mm-hmm. to be able to kind of respect that kind of change and sometimes just work around it, right? Sure. Because uh, we're, we're human beings and we will continue to change. And, and I think resisting the change um you know, unfortunately, some people tend to resist the change. Um, yeah, I'm not yeah. and I'm not saying they end up failing, but they end up uh, not really staying. They stay in their comfort zone. And yeah. yeah, I think there's more struggle around it, too. Right. When eventually you have to find a way because it seems like the only thing certain in life is change. Absolutely. I mean, and with the with the technological life we're living in with that century of there's oh, yeah. technologies changing all the time uh, and this new generation as we call it generation z which is you know my little daughter and also mm. the younger millennials as well i mean things are changing for them you know every moment so even you know the way they're being educated especially in the age of covid i think a lot of people got comfortable with the online education for example yeah. and and the whole higher education and also how businesses also do do work is changing i mean this whole work from home uh, you know thing that we all kind of got used to it 
Uh, so that was a huge change that was really forced on us. And some yeah. people really struggled because they're not, you know, they can't really adapt to something new. So, yeah. Well, we are social beings and we need right. to get out in the world. And For sure. you also learn from being around other people. 100%. So you can get yeah. out of your own head and only... Right your own belief systems that you For think sure. is the only way to be. Right, right. And that, that actually brings us to, to something very cool that you and I talked about last week as we were uh -huh. preparing, which is that concept of unlearning, if you want me to touch yes, base on yeah. that a little bit. Yes, uh, and I think and I think change um, you know, leads us to unlearn some of the things. And, and I shared with you that I'm writing the article about the power of unlearning. Ah, Hopefully yes. I'll be finished, able to finish it in the next few weeks before, uh, you know, maybe the end of October or something, and I'm going to share it with you. Yeah. And and it's very important to actually acknowledge that as you're changing, you have to unlearn some of the things that you learned and took yeah. for granted, whether, mm -hmm. you know, things that were, you know, given to you as part of your uh, a religious belief or mm -hmm. social norm or cultural norms. And you go into a, a different country or a different culture or you travel and you feel like you're you're being challenged, right? Like oh, yeah. the things that you yeah. used to believe in so much, you don't anymore and vice yeah. versa, right? So um, I think change and unlearning kind of go in hand in hand, to be honest. Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm redoing my house after 20 years and Sometimes I look at even my choices. I'm definitely a different person. Absolutely. Than, you know, and you just see it everywhere. But it's, sure. it, but it's it's so good to empower your own soul and what it really calls to do next. It's really it's really good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So, what is there anything that keeps you up at night that you really worry about? Uh, I mean, I think that that's probably the uh, the the answer you'll get from any mother, probably your kids. You know, yeah. uh, I'm 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 thankful to have a husband that's very supportive. So we yeah. work hand in hand as a team, whether on our kids' academics, you know, athletic life, their food. He helps around the house. Um, he's, great. he's the great cook in the world, I think. Yeah, uh, and yeah. yeah he has he does great food. So that kind of calms me down because he's you know he centers me. Yeah. Uh, for the most part, and I hope I do the same for him so i can't say that I, I it keeps me up at night but that's probably the the most thing that worries yeah. me the most you know everything has to be uh I, I mean i'm grateful for for the fact that my kids also understand the fact that my husband and i also cherish our you know alone time and we cherish the fact that we need to spend time together or travel alone and you know they got to the point in their life that they actually understand that and they see how important it is for us yeah. but that's probably you know the the most important thing in our life now as we get those kids to to college yep. and you it's know a big starting responsibility life. it yeah. is yeah we have three kids yeah. and i think that's probably the the most important thing on our minds right now well i think you're very i think the children are lucky to have both of you i appreciate it. i know yeah. you both so well yeah, they're great kids we're, yeah. we're lucky to have them too yeah. so what is one of your favorite quotes and what is why is it important to you what does it mean to you yeah, and I'm gonna. I'm just looking at down here in my phone because I I don't know oh. it on top of my head, but okay. uh, I know it's I, it's actually there on uh, again one of those quotes that I have in on my billboard. It's for Rumi, and I know you I love Rumi, love yeah. Rumi too, and uh, who doesn't, right? Yeah, <laughs> Rumi is has always been my favorite. I love his. Um, like his Sufi mystic, you know, yeah. um, mysterious. He's so authentic. Too. It, he is very yeah. authentic. Yeah. I love the fact that he 
talks to an upper divine, but yeah. at the same time, um, he's very accessible to just everyone. You know, yeah. everybody relates to Rumi's quotes, no matter how, what your background is. Yes. You know, you, you won't even believe how many people, you know, that I met throughout my life and travel and speaking engagements that their favorite author or poet um, or, mm. you know, quote person is Rumi. And um, I came across this quote um, maybe two or three years ago, which is uh, uh, this being human. I'm going to just oh. read it to you and I'm okay. going to explain where I like it. Okay. Um, so this being human is a guest house. Every morning is a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and an in- entertain them all. Treat each guest honorably the dark thought the shame the malice meet them at the door laughing and invite them in be grateful for the, for whoever comes because each has sent as a guide from beyond and i love that so much because mm-hmm. it explains so well what life is all about right and yeah. and it doesn't just paint a rosy picture that you only have because you know I are pretty positive people or we try but at the same time we can't really lie and say every single day is positive and every single day we don't have struggles I mean life right. is full of struggles it's full of up and downs it's full of getting upset at the kids for not do, finishing their homework <laughs> and also you know some moments that are you know like giving birth to your kid that's probably you know the most you know, precious moment in anyone's life. So just invite, oh, I think just acknowledging the feeling is something that uh, you love so much about that yeah. quote. You know, but it sounds like, gosh, you really have to invite them all in, you know, right. but because I, you know, one of my favorite quotes is still, you know, everything is what it is and then it'll be what you make it. Right. And I say that to myself every day. Right. When something happens that I'm not real happy about or I'm questioning, I will say, okay, this is what it is, so now how are you going to handle it? Right. But I would say that um, sometimes I have learned that maybe I could have handled something in a better way if it was something that was more confrontational. So it's an interesting quote. I'm I'm glad you brought it up. Right. I I love it. There's also a podcast on, um, you know, on, on somewhere, you know, out in the cloud with the same, uh, with the same name that I've been enjoying, uh, you know, also talking about very similar contexts. And this is when I got introduced to the quote and kind of like that specific way of thinking as well. And I think, you know, mentioning that you could have handled it, you know, in another way. And I, and I kept telling myself this as well uh, throughout the years, but when I read this quote, I started to acknowledge why am I upset? And I think that's yeah. the thing. It's it's yeah. not inviting you to, to continue to remain upset. Right. It's inviting you to actually get a handle on why you're upset, invite that feeling, and then think about how you can handle it. Right. And that's that's kind of where I am coming from and kind of falling in love with that specific quote. That's great. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. Well, my dear, um, how can people reach you? Uh, just a simple Google uh, Esra Noir. My name is written, I think, probably here. Uh, E-S-S-R-A-A and then last name Noir. Uh, you know, you can reach me on on all, pretty much most of the social media platforms, Facebook, uh, Instagram, and Twitter. 
Uh, they can also email me directly at my Chapman email, which is accessible at the Leatherby Library's website, nawarachapman.edu, if there's an interesting project that they're looking into mm. working on. Um, I also wanted just to mention this briefly. I have a TED Talk um, that I did back in 2016 uh, that's also online on YouTube. If they're interested in kind of listening a little bit about my you know, take on, um, you know, diversity, uh, a little bit of change and also changing the narrative, um, you know, and, and uh, you know, I think that that will be interesting for them. I'd love to that's, hear that's from great. people. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, but thank you. You are so wonderful. So I just want to let you know that um, um, I'd like to have you back sometime when down the line and we'll talk more about things. And I know you're off to Egypt. I'm quite jealous. He's going to do a um, presentation again at the Alexandria Library. So I promised you all we, we will make it happen. I think we're already working behind the we're scenes. We're working on, on a trip. A trip. And yeah. uh, I mean, j just because we're talking about Egypt, um, just really briefly before mm -hmm. we uh, kind of part. Uh, so next week, we'll, we're, we're working. We're, I'll, I'll be at the Library of Alexandria for uh, right. a couple of speaking engagements. And my husband also is giving a keynote at the uh, as the the University of Alexandria is graduating 500 of the African students, so I'm really oh. proud of him to kind of be part of that um, you know wonderful celebration. But also in February of 2022, that's also kind of just uh, for for the public. If anyone is interested in going to Egypt uh, th through the House of Worship tour and the Orange County Interfaith Network. Uh, we're taking an interfaith trip to Egypt, Jordan, and Israel. Wow. And I happen to okay. be um, one of the leaders as well, along to with oh, other couple people okay. as well. We've okay. done one in 2018, and it was extremely successful. Um, you know, kind of bring people together, uh, look at all these sites from a historical and touristic perspective, but then there is an interfaith conversation attached to it too, and we get to meet really, um, mm. you know, a lot of interesting very people. helpful today. Yeah, yeah for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So That's if great. anyone wants to join, I think we still have maybe five or six more spots to, to fill. So just great. reach out to me, and I'm happy to kind of hook you up with the organizer. Thank you so much for coming today, Ezra. You're very welcome. Okay. Thank you. Well, there you have it. Another great episode of Finding Your Soul and Success leaders sharing their inspirational wisdom with our host, Kathy Gardarian. And for more on Kathy's work or her book, by all means, check out the site, feettothefires.com. That's feettothefiresplural.com. Thank you for joining us here on OC Talk Radio.